Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today is Dan Galinsky, and we also have new to the podcast, Mason Cole, also from King James Gospel with us. Mason, how are you? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited. Good to hear. Dan, always happy to have you, like I said. Uh, today, we're going to be going over a few things. I want to start, though, by saying, if anybody has not read Kevin Love's article on the Players' Tribune yet, it's called To Anybody Going Through It. I think that anybody and everybody should have read this. Have both of you guys? Yeah, I read it today. I uh, I, I looked it over and I thought it was a really well-worded um, article by Kevin Love. And obviously we've all at least heard of the issues that he's gone through. But it was interesting to kind of hear about how he has kind of developed as a human since he's been in the NBA. He talked about some time with the Timberwolves and stuff, but... I think this is it's really encouraging to see guys who are on the level of Kevin Love be able to talk so openly about the issues that he obviously has dealt with over time. Yeah, I think hearing the stories of like you said about him and the Timberwolves early on, just just sitting in a dark room, and obviously we all know about the panic attack that happened at a game. I was actually at that game, and I remember just thinking like because he just kind of left suddenly, and nobody really knew why. It was really confusing. But Dan, did you have any thoughts about the article? Wow, that's that's a, an interesting parallel there for you. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was. Uh, I really applaud him for all he's done um, for mental health awareness. It's it's so important, especially with with how this year has gone. Uh, really applaud him and uh, for showing his kind of more into his vulnerability and um, yeah, he's he's such an impressive guy and. Um, I, you don't have to be a basketball fan really to kind of to have that resonate. And um, I, I really, he's just a really impressive guy. And it, I'm sure his words really will affect people in, in so many ways and in countless people really. So yeah, it was, it was, it was something else. And, and as Mason said, it's, it was also very well worded. Um, you can just tell he's um, a really intelligent dude uh, as well. Again, like you kind of touched on, Dan, whether you're a basketball fan or not, I think this is something that everybody should read. Uh, I'll have the link to the article down in the show notes. I'll put that in there. But uh, getting into what we're talking about today, we're going to go over some potential starting lineups that we think we could see. Who's the starters going to be on day one? Who, how, how might that change throughout the season? So uh, we'll just start with the opening day starters. Personally, I think it's going to be what it's – was to end last season being Garland Sexton. I think Jetty Osmond will still get the start to begin the season and Love and Drummond. Do you guys have any arguments there? Uh, no, I had the exact same thing. I think that that's probably what the Cavs will go with, just since they have that sort of sense of comfort 
with uh, that, you know, Jetty, obviously, that could change throughout the season, depending on what the Cavs look to do with the small forward position this offseason. But yeah, I agree with you. Day one, it's probably going to be similar to what we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo that as well. Um, they just, as Mason touched on, there is familiarity there. Uh, it, just given how the offseason has gone and with the long layoff, you would think that they're kind of going to roll with that familiarity off off the uh, off the jump or right off the jump. I agree with that. So looking, we were kind of talking maybe 20 games in is where we might start to see that shift coming in as far as when we might start to see some movement in the starting lineup. It might come earlier with that, depending on how well you know Dylan Windler plays. Obviously, we don't know how well this draft pick is going to play, what position this draft pick is going to be, but... I had at around maybe the 15 to 20 game mark and potentially if, you know, either again, Windler or that rookie plays really well or Jetty just really struggles, it might be earlier. But I see, I see that, I don't think that Jetty will stay as the starter all season. I think that there will be, again, we'll, we'll just say Okoro is in that spot. We'll just use that hypothetical. I think that Okoro or Windler would start, and I kind of lean towards Arcoro. Mason, who'd you have as the season kind of yeah. moves on being the first replacement? No, I agreed with you. Uh, I, I pretty much had a very similar sort of thing. I mean, I, I don't think Jetty's going to be the starter long term. I think the Cavs definitely are going to look to find more of a long term replacement in this draft. I, I mean, I had the same thing as you pretty much. I just had a different name. I put uh, Denny Avdia there in that in that spot. And I was also thinking maybe sometime, you know, mid-season, we might start to see more Larry Nance getting some um, play either at, you know, small forward or filling in for Kevin Love potentially on back-to-backs. That was kind of what I had, just small adjustments as they get, you know, further into the season. And that's a good point. I was going to say, with Kevin Love most likely sitting out back-to-backs and with there likely being an increased number of back-to-backs... Is Larry Nance the guy to you that steps in as his replacement, Dan? Yeah, I think it's just given his or basically what he showed. Um, I believe each year he's he's increased his scoring um, output, and he's at least last year we saw it with a little bit more volume. I, I believe he hit thirty seven percent of his catch and shoot threes, and given uh, just as as what you hit on how there's going to probably be more back-to-backs next year. Um, just how he, the way he plays, he seems to be able to fit in with a variety of guys at that five spot. And also with him being able to show some at the three, that's, that just shows that um, his handle is definitely much improved um, dating back to last year. And that just seems like that'd be a no brainer there in, in, in that sense. I agree. And although assuming that's, the Cavaliers do, again, draft one of those kind of combo forwards. We're talking Evdia or Okoro, someone who can play the three or four. What are the odds of them going small and say that Jetty has already been replaced in the starting lineup by that time? Could we see, maybe not Okoro, but definitely Evdia starting at the four to replace Kevin Love and then seeing a Dylan Windler or a KPJ or whoever else starting in those just kind of spot roles? Uh, talking about KPJ a little bit, do either of you see a chance of him really firmly breaking into the starting rotation, or not the starting rotation, but the starting lineup? I don't see Sexton going to the bench for any reason other than injuries this year. 
Garland, I want to hope that he doesn't, but could we see that 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 Sexton KPJ backcourt Mason? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking the only way that I really think Kevin Porter Jr. will enter the starting lineup is if uh, something, I guess, Darius Garland falls off pretty hard. I think the Cavaliers, you know, probably feel pretty good about Colin Sexton right now. And we've obviously heard a lot of talk about how they're very, um, you know, happy with what Kevin Porter Jr. has shown so far. I think the only way I don't know if they're going to want to have him be like a long term small forward type of solution. But if Darius Garland falls off, which I'm hoping he doesn't, I hope he bounces back and becomes a really good player. But if it just makes sense to start. Kevin Porter Jr. over Darius Garland. I definitely think that is something that the that we could see from the Cavaliers sometime around midseason. Dan, any thoughts there? Yeah, that seems fair uh, to say. And there's always that possibility of of Garland kind of stinking up the joint. But um, I think he's in for a bounce back year. Kelsey Russo wrote in her recent piece um, on why she or how she predicts that he will be. And I just think with the we've we've hit on this before, but I just think the extended offseason really will pay dividends for him um, this in coming years. Really, I think he'll we'll see him after he's been able to work on his game really for an extended period, whereas last year he didn't. I think that'll pay off. And I just I think Kevin Porter will end up playing starting minutes anyway. I think he'll be a 25, 26 minute a game guy. And with his, I don't see him as a three-man really a ton, but I would think that his he's able to do that some, and he's at least strong enough to be able to hold up there, at least in some stretches. But I just see him as kind of that guy that they that can fit in a variety of lineups, and just with his on-ball creation ability, I see him as kind of that six-man bucket-getter type next year anyhow. And I just think for them, it's it kind of works out better for him to be that energy guy off the bench to kind of be instant offense or whatnot. And, um, yeah, that's just what I see. But um, I, I don't really see, um, to swing back a little bit, I, I don't really see Okoro as honestly being like a four that much. Uh, I think that's um, kind of he just overstepping doesn't have I just think it's overstepping a little bit, and I just think for a rookie, you kind of want to have him locked in at a singular position um, more so. And I think Windler would be able to play the two with him on the floor uh, um, a lot of the time anyway. So um, that's just where I'm coming from with that. We talked a lot about, you know, who in the the past we've talked about what's going to happen with with Tristan. Again, if Tristan leaves, who's that free agent that's going to be brought in on a mid-level? You know, are they going to be able to find anybody on a mid-level? But... Mason, we'll start with you on this one. What do you feel about the possibility of trading Drummond this season? And obviously, this is such a—it's kind of a difficult question, just because we don't know what's going to happen in the draft yet. But do you think that the Cavaliers are going to move on from Drummond? And if they do, how does that shake up the starting lineup? Obviously, we don't know who would be getting back in that trade. We could get back a center who could start. We could obviously see Tristan stay and him kind of fill that role. Uh, we could see Nance come in and just kind of go small with it. We could see whatever rookie is drafted come in and take over there. But what are your thoughts on on Drummond's future here? And do you see him as a long term starter here, or do you think that he's going to that the Cavaliers are going to move on from him? 
Yeah, I definitely uh, I agree with the fact that if they, you know, if they go out and draft a big man or if they try to bring Tristan Thompson back, that obviously would make it more likely that Drummond gets traded. But I think it really depends on how things unfold throughout the season. You know, if the Cavaliers get to like the midway point of the year and they haven't seen anything that they're necessarily thrilled about when it comes to Andre Drummond's fit with the team. I definitely think they could try to look to move him around the deadline and, you know, say if the Cavaliers, if James Wiseman, for whatever reason, falls to five, then the Cavaliers could, you know, move him into the starting lineup. Or if the Cavaliers, you know, draft a wing and then bring back Tristan Thompson on a one-year deal, you could be confident putting him back in the starting lineup, knowing that he has started with this team before with a lot of those players. You know, he spent time with Garland, Sexton, Love, obviously. And I definitely think that if the Andre Drummond experiment, I guess, doesn't work out great, and if the Cavaliers aren't confident, like near the trade deadline about how they feel about his long-term fit, I definitely think that they could look to move on around that sort of time. It's a good point. Uh, We were talking about Dan with Dennis, not Dennis, Derek Jones Jr. or Josh Jackson being a couple potential free agent targets if Tristan were to move on. Uh, I know I'm more of a Derek Jones guy. You're more of a Josh Jackson guy. Looking at either of those guys, if they were signed by Cleveland, I think they could both end up being starters. Do you see both of them as day one starters, or do you think that that would be another thing where they would kind of gradually work into that spot? I think personally, Derek Jones, I think, would be the day one starter. I think Josh Jackson might have to work into that role a little bit, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say on that, Dan. I don't see I don't see either of them probably uh, projecting as opening night guys just because there's, um, I think, Bigger staff will probably default to um, the incumbent there uh, in Jetty. But I think both of those guys would probably be – it would be pretty early. I think just like that, along with um, Akoro, Vassell, Abdia, that kind of thing. Um, I think about 15 games in seems feasible for each of those guys just because defensively uh, they can just give you a lot more than Jetty from a lateral quickness standpoint. Um, they, they use their fluidity well to get around – off ball screens and uh, with Josh Jackson, I, I'm just more on in in his realm there, just because offensively, I think on ball he can do um, it shows more uh, kind of upside, and he's still only 23, I believe. And I mean, he was a former number four overall pick, um, just due to what people thought uh, with the on ball potential there, and I, I just think. Last year, I mean, we didn't. There wasn't a huge sample size, but uh, I think he, I think he placed in the 82nd percentile on um, spot ups last year. I think he was like a, around a little bit under 38 um, percent on catch and shoot threes with that, with his Memphis stint. And I just think he's a guy that uh, could be able to give you more on ball than Jetty. Um, really athletic. Uh, uses his he's not real long but he uses his length pretty well um, at least I, I can't remember his wingspan off the cup but um, he's just a guy that at six eight can throw in you can throw in there at that three spot and I just think for him he's a guy that you could probably get um, based on what Fedora said uh, under that um, mid level and you would think probably decently under that um, just given what's transpired with him. Uh, before, but he seems to be on the right path. And 
that's that's the guy that I just think you could could take a lot of pressure off Sexton and Garland um, on ball more so than Jay, and that's I think pretty early on. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavaliers Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Circling back to what we were talking about with uh, the Kevin Love sitting uh, on back-to-backs, just getting those rest nights. Another interesting one that I kind of want to talk about is a potential replacement. And this, again, this would probably be later in the season, say the Cavaliers move on from Drummond and they're just kind of in, you know, float and kind of develop the young guys mode and wait for, you know, the lottery to happen again. Could Dean Wade be somebody that we see break into the starting lineup late in the season? I think that he could be someone, again, late in the season where you're just looking to develop guys and get looks at guys. I. I really do believe that we will see Dean Wade start a few games at least down the down the stretch. Dan, do you have any thoughts on Dean Wade? Do you think do you think that's a possibility, or am I talking crazy? Uh, I'd say you're pretty crazy there. <laughs> um, I, I just I, I like Dean Wade probably more than most people do. Uh, I think his uh, we've seen flashes of I, I mean plenty in Canton last year uh, is that stretch four guy, but. Just the problem with him is the injury issue, and I, I, I mean, at that point, it's we're not going to be expecting him to do it all that frequently. But I just think for him, you're just you'd kind of rather have him in spot minutes, regardless. Maybe twelve, thirteen minutes here and there later on in the year. But I, I just think from a defensive standpoint, I, I just worry with him. Um, you, you see some like a little bit uh, ability to kind of guard on the perimeter a, a bit, at least for a few dribbles, but um, it, it's just against NBA talent. I, I don't really know how that's probably not putting him in a uh, position to succeed, even if it is kind of toward the end there and teams are kind of just trying things out. I, I'd rather just kind of allow him to get his feet wet a little bit against bench guys um, kind of littered throughout the season. And I think that's more so his role there. Maybe he could get, 15, 16 minutes instead, but as a starter, I just I don't see that. I'm a Dean Wade believer. I, I don't <laughs> think he'll be in the in the rotation to start the season, but I think, again, under the assumption that the Cavaliers are out of playoff contention and they're just kind of trying things out, I don't think he'll start, you know, next to Kevin. I don't think he'd be part of the regular starting lineup, but I I hope and I really do believe that we could see some, some Dean Wade spot starts. So I'll, I'll hold out hope for that. Uh... Any any closing thoughts on the starting lineup potentials, Mason? Uh, I mean, I just think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, like you said, kind of down the stretch of the season, especially. You know, we obviously can't predict injury or whatever, but, you know, you're bringing up a guy like Dean Wade. Like, I don't think that it would be great for Dean Wade to be in the starting lineup, but I definitely am not going to rule it out as a possibility. I'm going to be interested to see kind of how they 
you know, implement Dylan Windler. That's really the guy I'm looking for this season to see what he does since, you know, we didn't get to see him really at all in his rookie year. But yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, JB Bickerstaff obviously is probably going to be looking to be pretty flexible with who he puts in those certain positions. And um, yeah, I'm kind of just on the same same mindset as you guys. It's just kind of going to be a, a week by week type of thing for the Cavaliers. All right, well, Mason, you're new to the pod. Me and me and Dan and others have obviously talked a lot about free agency and the draft. I'm interested to hear who is your favorite guy in the draft. If you, if assuming again that that Wiseman, Lamelo, and uh, Anthony Edwards are off the board, who is the one guy that you would target in on for the Cavs? Well, for me. I've kind of been going back and forth on a couple of different guys, but the one name that I've always at least had some sort of interest in was uh, Danny Avdia. Uh, I, I think that his ceiling in terms of guys that you could probably get with the fifth pick is just a lot higher than some of the other guys. Like, you know, Isaac Okoro, I would be happy with Isaac Okoro. Obviously, he's going to come and be a good defender. I know some people were talking about uh, Devin Vassell as a potential pick there. But when you look at Denny, I just think that his ability to sort of make plays for himself at times while also be being an off-ball scorer and, you know, hopefully his jump shot would be able to to develop. I just think that when you look at his offensive ceiling, his offensive potential, and the fact that, you know, he stands at like six foot nine, so he could potentially fill in as a small forward or a potential power forward for the Cavaliers in certain lineups. I just think that he would bring a lot to this Cavaliers offense. And I think that his potential, if he was available with the fifth pick, I know some people think he might go to Chicago, but if Denny was available with the fifth pick, I personally would have a hard time passing up on him uh, if I was the Cavaliers. I wouldn't mind that pick. Again, I'm I'm more of an Okoro guy myself as far as which one I like between the two, but I would be fine if they went either way there. You're not an Opie Toppin guy? I've <laughs> I, had, mean, I see all these mock drafts. Every single mock draft I, I read has Obi Toppin going fifth to the Cavs, unless I, it's like some weird one where he has him going like the top three. Yeah. Nobody I've talked to likes Obi Toppin. No, I'm not necessarily the biggest Obi Toppin guy, just, you know, pretty much for all the reasons that have been stated. You know, he's, what, 21 years old. He's not a great defender. And I, I, I've i seen that, too, like every mock draft I look at, wherever it's from, whether it's, you know, The Athletic or ESPN or wherever, it's always Obi Toppin to the Cavaliers. And, you know, I know that I don't remember who had the report that the Cavaliers looked at him as a potential, you know, long-term replacement for Kevin Love, but... I would be concerned with that pick just because I'm not sure how he's going to translate to the NBA, especially as a defender. And defense is definitely something that the Cavaliers cannot be ignoring as they look to improve upon their roster this year. So I personally also am not an Obi Toppin fan, at least for the Cavaliers' sake. I'll add that to the list of everybody that I've (laughs) talked to that is not an Obi Toppin fan. Uh, we'll, We'll move on to something else here, another little... Former Cavalier coach Mike Brown has receiving interest for the Pacers head coaching job. Mike D'Antoni has been another name that's been mentioned there. I think Mike D'Antoni is probably going to get the job unless unless he wants to go to Philly or whatever. I personally think that Philly will be for Tyron Lue. Dan, do you think that Mike Brown will get another head coaching job in the NBA? Absolutely not. Uh, one of the least imaginative offensive 
head coaches, I should say, I've ever seen. And, I, I mean, the Cavs weren't really littered with talent around LeBron then, but it, it's pretty much who, I guess it would be Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner in a high pick and roll about 40 feet from the basket, and it'd be Oladipo attacking downhill, and he'd probably get hurt again. And there's just no not enough pin downs. There's not much action off the ball. And I just, I will never understand like what the hell the Pacers are doing there. I I don't know what you're seeing in Mike Brown. I mean, he's, he's done a nice job for the Warriors defensively. Um, I'm not going to say anything about last season. That wasn't his fault, but I I really don't understand that. I mean, I I get the retread idea. I mean, I guess I get Mike D'Antoni to an extent, but the pieces don't really fit great there. I I don't really understand that. that much, but I get it given the his track record and um, how he's kind of been able to got really get a lot of spot up shooters going and and could could do well for TJ Warren there, but um, I, I just don't understand that at all whatsoever. And it's pretty much just high pick and roll, Malcolm Brogdon and, and Oladipo and both guys that have been banged up before, and I I just don't think that would work out at all. Um, I don't really understand what the hell Pacers, uh, Pacers are thinking there. Mason, Mike Brown going to be a head coach ever again? At least, at least in the NBA, maybe he goes overseas or whatever. Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with pretty much everything Dan said on that. I don't know why anybody would hire him at this point in time. I mean, I guess because he's been a pretty solid defensive coach most of his career, but Again, the offense just kind of, that's kind of what I get caught up on. I would kind of understand bringing in Mike D'Antoni just because, you know, you're hoping that he can turn the Pacers offense into something better than what it was this last season with, you know, Victor Oladipo and um, Turner and Brogdon, all that. But the Mike Brown hiring, if that were to happen, uh, I, I don't think that that would necessarily make them any better than they were with Nate McMillan. Like, I don't think that it would be a hiring that, would be worth it really unless unless I'm just crazy and for some reason Mike Brown turns into one of the better head coaches in the east but yeah I I I kind of agree I don't see the point of that if that were to happen and we've seen Luke Walton you know come from the the Golden State you know bench and become a head coach with the Lakers now the Kings I wouldn't say he's done that great of a job either but I, I, I don't see any way that Mike Brown I don't know why he's still getting rumors as a head coach again. I don't I'm right with you guys. I I don't see it happening ever again. Fine assistant, you know, again, he's good on defense, especially in a place like Golden State where, you know, Steve Kerr's had some health issues where he needs to step in occasionally. I think that's a fine guy to have, but I don't see him ever being the head coach of a team full time again. Uh, I was reading on the Cavaliers website right before we got on here that um, on the preview for the bubble that's coming up here that we're already kind of in right now. I don't know if either of you guys that have have seen this, I don't know if it's been reported anywhere else, but Jetty Osmond is not going to be in the bubble. Apparently he's still in Europe. Is that something that either of you guys have seen? I have not, no. I did not see that, no. I I think that that was just reported on, uh, again, by the Cavaliers website on their bubble preview. So, again, mm. when we're talking about starting lineups, that probably doesn't affect much, but it'll be a, th- this will be a huge opportunity for Dylan Windler, I think, in particular, to really shine and, you know, make his case as maybe a potential, you know, slot in 
as small forward. Um, one other thing we can we can touch on real quick. Andre Drummond, we already talked about him getting a vote for Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> I think it was the same guy. I think Greg Logan also gave him a vote for All-NBA Second Team. <laughs> that I, a I crazy don't know. ballot, yeah. No. I invited Greg Logan to come on the podcast. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hit him up on Twitter, and I also emailed him. He hasn't responded to me. But um, that probably won't end up happening, but that'd be an interesting episode. Yeah, he had a crazy ballot. Like, none, none of his selections really made that much sense. Andre Drummond getting any sort of, I guess, love for last season, I just don't understand it. I mean, I'm glad he's with the Cavaliers. Hopefully he turns out being well, but... I don't think he was defensive player of the year award vote worthy. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I think he also gave Luka Doncic like first team all defense just because he can rebound. <laughs> so yeah, that's nice. Uh, what's new on King James gospel guys. What have you been writing about before we get out of here? Uh, I don't know. We've been kind of touching on how certain draft picks, uh, kind of, lineups like kind of who they fit in well with or uh, just that sort of thing and kind of certain guys that we think could really take the next step like KPJ and um, just how we think Windler um, could really be a key off movement shorter for him and uh, just how he could how the spacing next year honestly should be should be much better we would we would hope and um, just how the wing situation plays out, um, what sort of positions we'll see Porter at, that that kind of thing, and the versatility aspect, or I should say if there will be that so that kind of perspective there. Sounds good. And Mason, I know that you are a YouTuber. If you want to plug your YouTube channel real quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, my YouTube channel is uh, it's Mason Talks. It's all one word. A lot of uh, Cleveland Browns stuff since the NFL season just kicked off, but um, that's been that's been the thing I've been doing recently. And um, yeah, so if you're a Browns fan, you want to check it out. Uh, it's I think it's YouTube.com/slash Mason Talks. And um, yeah, well, we can put a link to that down in the uh, show notes as well. We'll put a link to King James Gospel if you want to read anything there. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Dan and Mason, for coming on. Always fun to have you guys come on here to talk about whatever we're going to be talking about. So if you enjoyed listening, rate, review, subscribe, listen to another episode, do any of that, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.